Um, she's never really had it all together. And uh, she's always been kind of down on her luck. She's viewed as, as maybe someone you would rather pass than stop to talk to. Uh, this woman, definitely her reputation precedes her. <laughs> some people, <laughs> someone that's what I'm talking about, um, some people know about her past, some don't, but by the cues of the rest of society, they know that it's better off, it's better off just to, to, move all, to move on. She doesn't belong socially, relationally, economically, and by all accounts, man, she's just, uh, she's just a screw-up. As a matter of fact, she hasn't done anything well in her life except that. Screw it up. She is not, will not, and cannot be accepted. And uh, what we do know about her life is that she's promiscuous. What we do know about her life is that some people even see this woman maybe as demon-possessed, partier, definitely, cares what people think, not at all. An outcast for sure, belonging absolutely nowhere. You might be able to identify this woman. You might be able to identify her as someone that you know, someone you work with, someone you walked by today just to get to church. Some of us in here can identify parts of her life as our own. Maybe you're like, how did Roger know that much about my life? If that's you, don't move right now. We don't need anybody to know. Um, but, but maybe you can identify parts of that life as your own. A few weeks ago, when we ended uh, the month of July, we wrapped up our series, or we, we wrapped up um, our giving to Clyde Irwin Elementary School. Remember, we, we adopted Clyde Irwin uh, as our school, we're going to take care of them. We're going to take care of their teachers and their, uh, and, and their um, administration and, and definitely their students. Um, but we wrapped up our supply drive for them. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we collected something over like 530 items. A small church like us, and you, you guys are really making an impact because of your generosity. I, I dropped off the last box, and every time I'd show up to this woman's house to give her the stuff... Uh, man, it was full, and she's like, man, another full box, another full box, and I said, yeah, now listen to this woman who doesn't go to Restore Church. Remember, I just want you to listen to, to what she says. Here's what I love about Restore Church. You guys are more than just humans. You're human beings, and you take the being part seriously, and I was like, that's corny, but that's good. I like that. <laughs> she said this, you guys are doers of the word and not hearers only. James chapter 1. Now, James writes this sermon to a group of people, man, and, and he lays it out. I like him because he just tells it like it is. And this is what he says. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, as if you're doing something by just listening. He says, don't deceive yourself. He, he says this, but do what it says. Today, we start a two-part series of what it means to belong to Christ's church. We're going to look at the book of Acts uh, next week a little bit more than today, but today we're going to look 
at what it means to be a Christ follower. I don't know if you've noticed, we're going to start changing some terms around here. We used to use the term like, like, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a Christian, and our society uses that term too much, and so here's what we are going to call it now. Uh, we, we use the term here, being a, a Christ follower. We're going to follow the life of Jesus. We're going to follow in the steps of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus and the life and the love and the teachings of Jesus. So we're going to be in, in God's Word a lot today. So if you need a Bible, here's, uh, if, if you need one, go ahead and throw your hand up. We'll bring one to you. We want that to be your Bible. Take it home, highlight it, stamp it. I don't know, bedazzle it. I don't care. Just read it and be a doer of it. We want you to have that. You can also follow along with us on the Version Bible app. If you search under the events, you'll see Restore Church there. Uh, you can download the Restore Church app, and under the bulletin section, you'll see uh, a lot of my notes. So go ahead and, and open up your Bible, um, and, and we're going to first start in Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. I want to set the scene for you uh, for what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, we use this passage once a month. You guys can probably quote this passage, um, but that's good. You should. Matthew chapter 22, uh, he, he, this, is, this is what we read Matthew writes for us. He says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees step up and they got together. One of them was an expert in the law. And this word tested is, is very key for us. He's not, he's not trying to gain information from Jesus. He's trying to test Jesus, tested him with this question. Verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? If this was a genuine question, it's a great question, but it's not. They're trying to test Jesus. They can arrest Jesus if he blasphemes against what Moses wrote. And if they can arrest him... The next step is obvious. They can kill him. Jesus replied this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Did you know that in your Bible it comes in restore orange? No? It's just on the screen. Okay. This is the first and the greatest commandment. We can't skip this one just to get to the second one. We can't ignore this one just to be a, a philanthropist, okay? Verse, 30, verse 39, And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's what Jesus is trying to get to us. We've got to live both of these out. We can't live one without the other. Living the first one, loving God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, it implies loving people. Because if you're loving God like that, you have his heart, his mind. Like you're, you're pursuing his mind. You're pursuing his heart. And so you have a heart for people. But you know, just to do this alone, you're no different than the Pharisee and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law who are doing nothing but trying to love God. This is a works-type salvation. You're just trying to do your best for God to love you. But to do the second one, man, our society's filled with these. They're just called philanthropy, uh, philanthropists, like people who just love people without loving God first. And Jesus says, and the first and the second all of the law hang on both of these. And so these are not just our guidelines as Christ followers. These are our filters as Christ followers. Everything you do, act, say, think, um, all of those, they run through the filter of loving God and loving people. Hey, man, if you catch yourself just during this week doing something, and this thought, uh, this thought process should jump into your mind is what I'm doing right now, running through the filter of loving God with every part of my life and loving people the same way. 
If the answer is no, then stop. If the answer is yes, then do it more, right? Um, so the Pharisees, man, they, they, they thought they were following the rules the best they could, and they were. But meanwhile, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. So the Pharisees are trying to use Jesus as an object lesson, right? They're trying to embarrass him. They're trying to show off their power and their prestige and their influence. Meanwhile, Jesus, has spent, he spends his whole life trying to teach his disciples um, to follow him. Now, by all measurements, from the outside looking in, uh, the Pharisees, they're the ones closest to God. Because they're living out that first one like crazy. Love God. And they're, they're doing it in front of everyone, right? They're giving with all of the trumpets. They're praying with a lot of words. And people are looking at them and they're like, man, I can never be like that. They're so holy. And they thought they were getting close to God because of their stature and their piety. But look, Jesus is trying to start a movement. And it's not necessarily who Jesus is looking for. Today we're going to look at a few characteristics of a doer of God's word. And the first characteristic of a doer is to, I know it's so simple, it's to follow Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. Now, this isn't uh, just going to church. This is following Jesus, like the footsteps of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, loving people the same way Jesus loved and Jesus started a movement, and if he's trying to look for prosperity and uh, health, right, you, can find, you can find that all over the internet or TV. Just Google it. You'll find someone who can tell you, just do this and you'll feel better. Just do this and you'll make more money. Uh, just test it out against God's word. And if Jesus wanted that, he had it. He had it right in front of him. All he had to do was kind of pamper the Pharisees a little bit and then say, hey, I'm kind of on your side. They already had a group following them. They have money. They have prestige. They have power. They have influence. So all Jesus has to do is kind of like butter them up a little bit and say, say follow me. But look at who it is that Jesus, uh, that Jesus invites. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 uh, to 22. Again, we're just looking through the life of Jesus, and this is at the very beginning of Mark. So if you've been following through with us, you, you read about this with us. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were, they were fishermen. It's like, Jesus, come on, man, you're kind of missing it, dude. Jesus would not have been a good church planter. And I say that jokingly, but I say that seriously, too. Uh, um, Francis Chan, uh, you, you guys know I, I love this guy, and he just wrote a book, and I can't wait to read it. It's called Letters to the Church. And uh, he said there was this moment. He was, re he was leading this, this church of thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Simo Valley, California. And all of a sudden, he just left it. And they asked him, uh, like, actually, he went, like, kind of underground. No one could find him or contact him or anything. And they, they asked him, like, once he came back on the scene, they said, well, what led to it? He said, one day I was sitting there, and I thought, if Jesus started a church in Simi Valley, California, more people would come to mind than his. And he's like, am I really preaching the gospel then? So Jesus really wouldn't be a good church planner, but he would be calling people to follow him. And this is what he says, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, or maybe you're familiar with, and I'll make you fishers of men. And look at their, look at their response in verse 20. And once they, at once, they left their nets, and they followed him. 
Well, the passage keeps going, verse 21. It says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their fa- uh, their, they left their boat and their father, and they, and they followed him. Jesus invites fishermen to come follow me. Now, if I'm going to start a movement, I'm going to try to get all my fishing buddies too. But still, he invites fishermen like... Jewish school dropouts. Later, he invites a tax collector. No one likes tax collectors, especially when they're trying to skim a little bit off the top and they're collecting taxes for Rome. Then he'll invite a political zealot who always posts those super long Facebook posts. And then later on in a conversation, they're like, did you see what I put on Facebook last week? Did you see all the people arguing on it? (laughs) Good one. Good job, buddy. Um... He invites a political zealot. His name is Simon. Then he'll invite an accountant who's really good with money, but throughout the life of Jesus, he'll steal a few dollars here and there, and then eventually will betray Jesus in his last days. It's like, Jesus, you're really missing the point of how to build a good team here, buddy. Sometimes, though, you and I, we create barriers for ourselves of following Jesus that just aren't there. Your phrase might sound like this, I can't follow Jesus because, or maybe yours says, I can't be a Christian because I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe yours says, my past is crippling me. My current situation is too much. Uh, Roger, I can't follow Jesus because I don't have a Bible college degree. They're overrated. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) That will not be in the podcast because I have some friends in Bible college who listen. Um, Look, he calls these guys and they drop their nets and they follow him. And Jesus doesn't do an entrance exam. He doesn't make them write an essay. He doesn't make them do a spiritual gifts inventory. He doesn't force them through Restore 101. He doesn't give them a quiz about the Old Testament or make them quote... Um, uh, Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Here's what he says, come follow me. And here's what they do. They do it. Basically, he just calls them to obedience, and they're like, okay, I'm in. Jesus is a living example, and this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to love his teachings. It means to love his life. There's a passage we talked about on Mother's Day, and, and I, want to, I, want you to sh- I want to show you, and I want you to think about the life of Jesus a little bit, and watch as he is the uh, exemplification, good word, exemplification, is it a word? Yep, it is now. It's, a, it's an exemplification, I use it three times, of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So listen, you've heard this before. Actually, you've heard it in this sermon because Jesus quotes it from the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You think that God really likes it when, you know, if this is in the Bible over and over and Jesus quotes it. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now listen to this part that Jesus lives out. Impress them on your children. Parents, listen up. Talk about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie these as symbols on your hands with what you do and bind them on your foreheads with what you, with, with what you think. See, these verses, Jesus lives this out with his disciples. Is Jesus living this out with you? 
Like, are you so much into the life of Jesus that you're able to, 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 for Jesus to impress his teachings on you? I think if you were to start talking about what Jesus says, like all the time when you're along the road and when you lie down, that's sleep talking. And when you get up, like if you're talking about Jesus all the time, it creates a Christ follower. And he, ate, he invites these really nobodies, these guys who really only contribute uh, a little bit to society. He invites them to follow instead of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Here's what these guys saw in Jesus when they, followed, when they left to follow him. They, they saw this command, follow me. They saw it as simple enough to follow, deep enough to alter their life, powerful enough to add meaning to it, and engaging enough to live a life of adventure. So let me ask you, why can't you follow Jesus? Is it because you don't know enough? You're not prestigious enough? Is it because of, of, of your career? What limits have you put on yourself for following Jesus that Jesus hasn't put on you? I don't make enough. I don't know enough people. I'm not an extrovert. Again, that's overrated. The invitation to follow Jesus is there. And it's simple, and it's deep, and it's powerful, and it's engaging, and it's here for all of us. Do you have a past? Awesome so do I. Are you terrified every time someone tags you in a photo from 10 years ago on Facebook? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Are you afraid that past is going to creep up? I am also. That doesn't stop us from following Jesus. Are you living a life right now that's only going to lead to significance here on earth and not a legacy after you're gone? Follow Jesus. Hey, I want to explain something to you. You've seen us wear these t-shirts, or you might have seen us tag some stuff on Facebook with this hashtag, hashtag C4RU. We get this all the time. What does that mean? It means church for the rest of us. So when we started a church uh, a little bit over a year and a half ago, we wanted to start a, a church for the rest of us. Because we, we feel like Jesus includes the rest of us. right? Jesus wants to include the outcast. Jesus like... You don't belong perfect. You are perfect. Come follow me. And man, a lot of people, you, you'll see some people wearing this t-shirt today here. A lot of people, and I think many of you have given your life to Jesus because you found a Jesus that will accept you for who you are and encourage you to be more than what you are in a church for the rest of us. And this, this isn't just about our church. This is about Jesus' church, and you belong as a part of that, and I think Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. But to follow Jesus means that you, you do it with a purpose. So uh, if you're in your Gospels, if you're using your Bible, you're in Matthew right now, you're going to flip over three books, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Oh, sorry, you're going to stop in Luke. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're going to stop in Luke chapter 9. Characteristic number two of a doer is to learn from Jesus. Is to learn from Jesus. Disciples are following and they're watching, uh, they're watching Jesus perform miracles, they're, watching, they're listening to him teach in, in parables, um, and he, he walks up on a group of people that, that want to follow Jesus. Maybe. Let's read this together. Luke chapter 9, uh, this is what we read. As they were walking along the road, 
Remember Jesus teaching while you're walking along the road? Uh, A man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. This is my dude. He is bold. And Jesus replies, the foxes have dens and the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Let's keep reading. Now Jesus says to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, looks back is important here, is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, his disciples, keep in mind, we're talking about what it means to learn from Jesus, are following him. And they watch as the first man comes before Jesus with all this vigor and extroversion, and he says, Jesus, I, I'm in, man. Like, I'm going to follow you. And she's like, cool, I love it, but I'm homeless. He's like, the, the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests, but dude, I'm not even welcome back home. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. And here's what the disciples learned. That Jesus is greater than your comfort. That's a tough one for us to process. That's your financial comfort. That's your home comfort. That's where you live comfort. Jesus is greater than your comfort. And the second guy... Here's what's cool about the second guy that Jesus encounters. He gives him the same invitation and the same opportunity that he gave to these dirty old fishermen. But he doesn't quite reply the same way. Jesus, or the, the disciples say when Jesus talks to, him, talks to them, all right, let's go. I'm dropping my nets. I'm out of here. Sorry, Dad. Peace out. But this guy, he says, I need to go take care of my father who's dying. Now, look, this, this answer seems insensitive at first that Jesus gives. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Now, we hear Jesus make teachings like this often. He'll say things like, um, uh, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your father and mother. But the life of Jesus, Jesus loves his mom. We see it time and time again. Um, And and then here, we see like this insensitive teaching of of Jesus. But here's what we need to understand about Jesus. It's it's all in comparison. Jesus doesn't want you to hate your mom. Jesus doesn't want you to hate your father. But if you were to compare the two of how much you love God, love Jesus, and how much you love your parents, people would be like, dude, you hate your parents? We know as, as followers of Christ that, you know, it would be contradictory in the life of Jesus to say that he, he wants you to hate your, your dying father. Uh, Matthew Henry, who commentates on, on the whole Bible, he, he's, he's written a number of, of uh, commentaries on the Bible. This, this is what he says. He says that this is more than just taking care of your dying father. But he said this relates to us a lot more than the first or the third because he says, I'll follow you, Jesus, but first... Let me go do this. Look, you got to hear this. But first and you first, they don't match when it talks about, when we're, we're talking about following Jesus. There is not a but first in comparison to a you first. 
And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew Henry, he says it this way, we're tempted to defer the doing of that which we know to be our duty and to put it off to some other time. When we have got clear of such a care, like when we're finished with such a care and a difficulty, then I'll follow you. When we have dispatched such a business, when I'm finished with my career, I'll follow you, Jesus. When we've raised our estate to such a pitch, it was written a long time ago, we have enough money, Jesus, I'll follow you. Then we'll think about being religious. And so we're tricked out of all, listen to this, and so because of that, we're putting it all off. And so we're tricked out of all of our time, but by being tricked out of the present time. And so what did the disciples learn here for learning from Jesus? The disciples learned that Jesus is greater than any number two in your life. And it's not even close. The last person comes to Jesus and he says, I need to take care of some things first. It, it, at first, it doesn't seem like there's much difference, right? He says, uh, the second guy's like, let me go bury my, my father. The second guy, he's like, hey, let me go kiss my family goodbye first. But the key to that verse, I pointed it out when we went through it, is Jesus says, there is no looking back. And I think you and I need to realize that the no looking back part is good news. That the, the looking back, there's some of the looking back that you and I as Christ followers do that's no good for us. We just want to, like... Like, we're, we're done with it. We're, we've finished. We've conquered that thing, but we'll just look a little bit. We'll just be around those people just a little bit. There's a lot of looking back that we need to stop doing, like our past mistakes, our regrets, our shame. And, you know, we need to start running in the footsteps of Jesus because he has a future for you. And it looks like following him. And here's what the disciples learned there is that Jesus is greater than our past. And so... The first thing we do as Christ followers, uh, doers of the word, is we follow Jesus. And while we're doing it, we learn from Jesus. We learn that, uh, that, that he's better than our past. We learn that he's, he's greater than our comfort and he's greater than number two. You ready to follow Jesus? Well, when we decide to follow Jesus, we keep our eyes open, our ears open, we learn from Jesus. The third thing will come naturally. And here's characteristic number three of a doer. You live a life on purpose. All right, we're going to kind of go through this, this, next, uh, this next passage really quickly because I want to finish with enough time to talk about restore. Next week, we're gonna, I'm going to preach on the passage we're about to talk about, so we're going we're gonna to get into it a little bit deeper. It's Acts chapter 2. It's the best uh, picture of what the church should look like. Um, and, and this is what it says. They, talking about, um, here's what happens in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches the first gospel sermon inspired by the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit is what Acts chapter 2 says. And then it ends with 3,000 people were baptized on that day. The 40, verse 42 is the they. That's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, oh, I, I crave this for our church, y'all. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. I just wish all of you were Clemson fans. <laughs> it's not too late. We have 13 days to the first game. 
Listen to this, verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Verse 47. Uh, they broke bre- I'm sorry, verse 46, the end of it. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. And they had glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We, we, we saw this a lot in the last 18 months. The Lord adding to the number. Because here's what we try to do here. We try to create a church that's about community and about being together. We we say a lot of times we love the mess. We we don't want you to check your mess at the door. We want you to bring it in. Because here's the thing. The people sitting next to you and the people sitting in your seat are messy. And so we love the mess. We want to be messy together. We want to walk through it together. And what happens is when we do that, it's like, dude, I could get down with this. They care about me. They gave up whatever, whatever, whatever to pay for this for me. Like this group of people, they don't even know me and they love me. I want to be a part of this. What's this about? It's about Jesus. All right, I'm in. And in the last 18 months, we've seen 42 people decide, I want to be a part of that. And a lot of you are a part of that in that number. Man, I, I can't wait to talk about this more next week. So I'm going to stop so that I, I don't feel like, uh, good. All right, I want to show you this. Um, this. This describes, we've been working on this for a number of, uh, for a number of weeks now. Uh, we, we've really shaped our church in a number of ways, but uh, I want to show you this. We'll come to this, uh, to this awesome looking funnel in just a second, but um, I, I want to show you that this is who we are as a church. We want to relentlessly love God, and when we say relentless, it means we won't stop pursuing you, you know what it's like when your toddler asks you for a snack, but you're doing something, you're like, yeah, give me just a moment. And then like 10 minutes later, you forgot, but you can't act like you forgot, you know. And they're like, hey, what about a snack? You're like, I'm getting it. And then like 45 minutes later, you're about to lay down for a nap. And they're like, but I'm hungry. And you're like, you're not hungry. Get back in your bed. And then they're like, but you told me you'd get me a snack. It's like, oh, all right. No? Just me? Okay. (laughs) Relentless. Relentless. Uh, We want to relentlessly love God. There won't be anything to stop us. We're going to pursue God with all we have. And so we try to do that as a church. We want you to do that as individuals belonging to Restored. We want to recklessly love people. And what that means is we're going to love people who don't look like us, think like us, or vote like us. We're going to love people even when they don't love us back and even when they don't deserve it. And then we're going to love the world. And what we mean by that is for missions, church planting, and just living out discipleship. We believe that God has the power and the desire for every lost person in Jacksonville to find him. And we want Restore Church to be a part of that. Hey, will you go to this next slide? I want to focus in on this. Um, I'm going to do it from... Eh, we'll just do it from this side. Everybody can see it pretty good. Oh, it's on that screen, so I don't care if I block it. You can see it. Look, you can still see it. <laughs> so this, this is a funnel. These, these are two funnels on, on top of each other. And I, I want you to see here that the goal for us is not church. The goal for us is not to count how many people are here. 
The goal for us and the goal of Jesus for his church was to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. His goal is for you to be a follower of Jesus and to be so in love with him and be so learning from him so much that the people around you are like, dude, I need that. Whatever you've got, I don't know how you have peace when all the stuff around your life is falling apart. I, I gotta have it. I don't know how you've loved me for so long because I can't stand you, <laughs> but I wanna know how you're, how you're doing it. Man, it's, it's all about Jesus. And that's, that's being a disciple. So this is the goal. And so if you'll see this as a funnel, you'll see that, that we're funneling into a disciple, if, if you'll let us put you in a funnel, okay? Here's what we're going to start doing as a, stop doing as a church. We're going to stop calling this church. You won't hear us say, welcome to church. You're not going to hear us say, invite your friends to church. Because we believe that we as individuals, and I think the Bible talks about this, that we are the church. You sitting in your chair are the church, and when you leave here, you don't stop being the church. We're going to start calling this the gathering. It's corny, I know. If you got a better name, let me know, but you can invite your friends to the gathering of Restore Church. I would love for you to invite your friends to be a part of Restore Church, but to be a part of Restore Church means to be a part of the community of Restore, not just Sunday morning. So, look, we're going to we're going to love people like crazy, and we want that to result in giving their life to Jesus and being disciples. And, and just, dude, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but we're literally going to love the hell out of people. And that's what it means to be the church. If that makes you uncomfortable, good. Because uh, that's serious. That's serious. How so funny. And I got the cussing sermon. Nice. Um, <laughs> And so here's, here's uh, I need to finish this, all right. Uh, so we want, we want you to come. We're not giving up on Sunday. We're going to make this really good. We want this to be a real authentic time of teaching God's word. We want this to be a great community experience when we worship God together. There's nothing like it. You guys know what it's like to worship and leave here just on fire, and we want this to happen. We're going to stop calling our small groups small groups. We're going to start calling them life groups because that describes what's best is happening there. This is just an opportunity for you to get together with 12 to 15 other, maybe smaller uh, than that, uh, other Christians who just love God the same way you do, and to share in community, and to share a meal, and to talk about God's word. Uh, if you're not in a small group, uh, if you're not in a life group right now, that's okay. Um, we're, we've got uh, three, maybe four more starting in October. In the month of September, we're going to make a push for life groups, and we're going to have sign-ups. And so everyone's going to be new in the group, all right? So it's a perfect opportunity for you to sign up to be in a life group. We've got new life group leaders. Uh, my, my family and I, we're going to start two. Uh, we're going to have two during the week, and so we'd love for you to be a part of this. Here's where we really start to get intentional. What we've found is this is a great opportunity to be together, but we found that you can do these two and still not be a disciple of Jesus. You can just have really good Christian friends. And so what we want for us is to take this a next step further and, and live this out in what we call microgroups. This is three or four people in our church who are just like, hey, let's live out our faith intentionally. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's get together and pray together. Let's get together and read our Bibles together. Hey, you want to know who lives this out the best? The leaders of Encounter, our youth group. They, they check up on the kids all the time, invite our kids to 
uh, to go get coffee, and they do this together. And they're rock stars. What you've done is created a new cycle of your life, a new rhythm. You are loving God all the time. Uh, you're thinking about your microgroup and your life group and, and church. And so what you are doing is now living out the gospel, the, and you're following Jesus. And people around you are watching because you are being filtered through God's words, is what, is what the Bible says. And so you are becoming more like Jesus all the time. And that's what a disciple is, is following Jesus. But I have a friend, and I'll talk about this definition a little bit next week, who says, you haven't created a disciple until your disciple makes a disciple. And so as a disciple, we can't stop here and be like, all right, I, I did it. I did a microgroup. I'm a disciple. <laughs> now we just got to live it. We got to do it on purpose. Be a disciple in your work, uh, even, when, even when the meeting's going sideways. Right? Start cleaning up your language and people will notice. Start saying, man, I know you're going through a tough time in your marriage. How can I pray for you? Can, can you, you and your wife come over and we can have dinner together? Man, I, I know your kids are driving you crazy. You want to go fishing with me sometime or, or go golfing with me sometime or, or whatever it is? And, and then when we start, you want to know where Jacksonville starts, get, starts changing to love Jesus? It's not a church. This is a great start, but it's not here. Jacksonville will start to love Jesus and be a city that pursues Christ here. When we, the church, this whole thing as the church, starts living on purpose. I thought I was touching this the whole time. I was just doing this. I love, uh, I love being a part of a church that's always molding. And you guys are so awesome because you're flexible and trying to find the best pathways to follow Jesus. And, and we think this is going to be... It, at least for right now, but God is always changing, restore, and man, I'm humbled to be a part of it and to be leading it. Remember the story we talked about at the, the beginning, that lady, that woman with the past? The Bible tells her story, and her name is Mary Magdalene. She's recorded of having a pretty tainted past. She's recorded, recorded as having a demon. Many people refer to her as Mary the prostitute. But the Bible doesn't stop telling her story. This is what the Bible tells about her story. She gave up everything and she followed Jesus. She gave up finances, the very little that she had, and followed Jesus. She gave up very expensive bottle perfume and cleaned Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. She bought things for the disciples as they followed Jesus. Not only did she follow Jesus, but she learned from Jesus. And then her Savior died on a cross for her past. And when all was said and done, she goes down to the, to the grave to, to love Jesus again, and he's not there. You want to know who the first, people, the first person to see the resurrected Jesus was? A prostitute with a tainted past, possibly had a demon at one point. And she was a doer. She was a Christ follower, and here we are 2,000-something years later telling her story. Look, I know, I know it's not easy to follow Jesus. Um, and uh, we, we, all, we often say that if someone told you that following Jesus is easy, they're either lying or they're just not doing it right. It's not. But when we do it together, man, we can see our marriages, our homes, our workspaces, 
and most of all, our city and our world changed to love Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad to be, to be able to do that with you and to love Jesus with you. I can't wait to hear stories about what God's doing in, in your workplace and in your community and in your home and in your neighborhood and in your, small, in your life group and here through the, the gathering at Restore, man. Uh, I'm just uh, I think we should just be still. Um, we, we don't do this often enough, but... Um, you know, we all kind of just have our own little thing going on with the Lord. Some of you are like, I don't have a thing with the Lord. Perfect. You're in a good spot. Some of you are like, man, I know the next step I need to take. And it might not have been on this, in this funnel. It might have been you need to ask someone for forgiveness or you need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's uh, you need to reach over the armrest and... And just grab your spouse's hand after the morning you had or the week you had or the year you had or the last decade you've had. Maybe it's you need to ask your kids for forgiveness. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, what I'd like for us to do is just take a moment. Just, just to be still. The Bible says, be still and know that, that I'm God in whatever circumstance you're sitting in. Uh, we're just going to be still for a few moments. I'm, I'm going to pray. This is not part of the sermon. I just feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us to do this. Um, yeah, so, so whatever it is, um, maybe God's leading you to take a nap. Don't do that. That's not the Lord. Um, but we're, we're just going to be still for a moment. Josh, are you in here? Uh, you want to come help us out? Um, and uh, may, maybe this is the time we'll respond to God. Let's do that. Let's do that now. We'll do communion at the end. Let's respond to who God is right now. Because, y'all, I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I think he's doing something here. I think he's changing the city here. And, I, I'm, man, I'm stoked. Um, and so let's, let's respond to that God who's changed your life and he's changed the lives of everyone. He's going to change a lot of lives because of you after today. And so we're, we're going to take a moment to respond. If this is your first Sunday at Restore Church, this is how we do this. Josh is going to play something. And, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, sing, we'll sing a song. And so what we're going to ask you to do is, is respond to God through your worship, uh, through a song. And, and maybe you think about your past, and that's a perfect, time, perfect thing to worship God for. Respond to God through your giving. We ask you to give every Sunday so we can continue to love our community and, and live this out. We're going to ask you to respond to God through, your, uh, through prayer. That's really where this is coming from. In, in your seat right there, man, maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. Maybe you need to ask God for confidence to be a part of this. Maybe you need to ask him for peace or forgiveness. Here's what we're going to ask is, is, is for you just to spend a moment in, in prayer. But maybe a part of that prayer is for you to give your life to Jesus. Can't do that with just a prayer. But it's a start. So what we're going to ask you to do is maybe it's time for you to decide, look, Jesus, I'm all in. No prerequisites. There will be some milestones to achieve along the way. But maybe you've been putting it off, and, and now's the time. Um, why, don't, why don't you get some confidence? Like just, you know, grit your fists a little bit, flare your nostrils, and say, I'm in. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Maybe being on the sidelines, not really in the game, and this is your decision to say, I'm in now. I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, we know that in the Bible. Every time someone gives their life to Jesus, 
they go all in. They, they give their life to Jesus. They're baptized. They come out a new creation. And maybe, maybe you need to do that. Uh, look, we want to love you through that. And so if that's you, um, if that's you, when we take communion, I'm going to sit right here. You, you can come up and just talk to me. When everyone moves, you can come up and sit next to me, and we'll start to have the conversation, the conversation together. But as a church, uh, right now, whatever that means for you, let's respond to, uh, to who God is.
So maybe it's time for you to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you've given your life to Jesus before. Maybe you're a Christ follower. Here's what we do at the end of every service to make sure that it's all about Jesus, as we do communion together. Thanks for being flexible and letting us uh, kind of move things around, but uh, the Holy Spirit's good, and he's, he's always true, and he's always working. So here, here's what we're going to do. We do this every week. Is There's different spots around. There's... Uh, uh, two, there's, there's tables, and it's got crackers and juice, and what we use those to do is celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Because as a church, if we've got nothing. As people, we have nothing if we don't have the hope of the forgiveness of sins and a life eternal with Jesus. And so what we can do in this moment is celebrate, reflect, mourn, grieve, ask for forgiveness, repent of our sin, um, but, but the most important thing we're doing right now is crawling back to the foot of the cross uh, where we all belong all the time. And so, uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and grab a, a cracker and a cup and bring it back to your seat. Um, if you're new to Restore Church, this is uncomfortable for you, go ahead and, and rest. If you're not a Christian and you're not comfortable, you can stay right where you are. But if you've done this with us at Restore Church, why don't you lead the way so our guests can see how this goes. If you've decided to give your life to Jesus in the chaos of all this moving, uh, why don't you come find me up here and, and, and we'll start to talk.